Welcome to Art in the Open. I'm Shelley Miller, a Montreal-based artist, working in the fields of both permanent public art as well as ephemeral street art. In this podcast, I'll chat with creatives and professionals who work in and around the industries of art and public spaces. I'm sitting down today with Philippe Allard, a Montreal-based artist who has plenty of experience in public art and as a professional artist in general. Phil, thanks for sitting down today and chatting with me. This is going to be fun. Yes, pleasure is all mine. We've known each other for a little while. Um, I think it's really fun, kind of in funny story, how we met, which is essentially through competition. We competed on a few contests, contests that neither of us won. And I think it was that kind of shared experience that got us to, you know, chatting, um, kind of becoming more uh, more friends. And then eventually we pitched projects together and have tried to collaborate, at least. We were shortlisted for a project together. And uh, yeah, that was fun. It was fun to kind of have that experience because, you know, I'm not really an artist who works that way. Typically, I don't collaborate with other artists usually. And so it was a fun process. Uh, yeah, for sure. I um, I think visual artists are mostly shy people that need to work in their studio by themselves, and they suffer from that also. Right. There's yeah. a there's a quote there's a quote that I really love, which goes like something like, "Artists are driven by the tension between wanting to hide and wanting to." show <laughs> yeah. what they do and I think we're stuck between that those two realities and we need to uh, work together more because we take ideas I th I think we um, we associate ideas too close to our egos we're, we're too when we have an idea we think it's ours but it comes mm -hmm. from everything and everywhere and why not share it and why not transform it why not be able to put the ego aside and transform whatever ideas we have. And I, saying that, I know that <laughs> I have difficulties doing it, but I, wanna, I still want to believe that we can, uh, we can work with other people. Definitely. And I, I think that for me, at least, public art, you know, the very nature of it is competition. And I've always felt that it's such a kind of closed, secretive world And there can be sometimes a feeling of, like, animosity between artists because you are competing, you know, and the stakes are high. But I also really hate that, you know, and I, I like that you and I can just talk about shit because mm -hmm. we all, you know, all of us who do these contests, like, we share that same experience <laughs> when you don't get a project. You're kind of, you know, sometimes devastated, more or less. It depends on the person and the project and how much emotional input and energy you put into something. But... I think we all face a lot of the same struggles um, and we need to talk more about it and For kind of sure. share experiences because I don't really understand why it's as closed and secretive as it is amongst artists. I understand for the selection process and the committees and, you know, in fairness to the artists that, you know, you, you kind of want to make sure that there's um, some sense of privacy of your, your ideas and your intellectual integrity. But I think that we could all and the whole industry could just could uh, really benefit more if we did talk more and share more and You know, open up, I mean, things like just fabricators, information, mm -hmm. technical information, not even creative, just technical I, stuff. I try to share as much as I can. I feel some artists are 
don't want to. But mm -hmm. if if you really strongly believe that you can share and you do share, eventually people open up, mm -hmm. and it takes time. Yeah. Often in contests, I've offered the jury to. Why not split the budget in three and mm -hmm. make three artworks? You've been in the selection process to find those three artists or four. It's been long because the list is super long. There's like eight or nine hundred of us listed right now in the MCC in Quebec. And right. God knows if you go wider, there's more. So if you shorten that list to three people, why not make... I think it's a dream and I always say it as a joke. Right. And, and, and you know that in the in the first uh, rendezvous there, uh, but maybe one day someone in the jury will say, "Why not?" And often it's morselated, right? It's 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 sculptural, but it's there's three or four parts. Yeah. Why not? Anyhow, and in a group show, that's what it is. In a group show, you know. Right. Yeah. It's so. funny you say that because in a recent uh, artist meeting that I was in. After the meeting, the three of us were all walking out to catch the metro or something. And we, we actually said to each other, like, hey, wouldn't that be like an amazing idea if the three or four artists decided mm -hmm. to collaborate to split and the go budget. in on the presentation day and uh. just say, we're, we're proposing uh. something as a they, I, I would love to see their faces. <laughs> they would probably fall apart because they're so onto the rules of the system and it's rules are made to be broken especially by us and if, if artists don't break the rules who will so but in a good way we need to break them in a good way perhaps some some somehow someday but just just what's happening right now is actually the result of what you're saying that we, it's just at one point we told us hey we should you know share or we and that's it i think i think it's um once again it's a long time process it's being able to do something and then show what you can do and then accept that the other one is better at something and right so for you like you know your studio work let's say or the kinds of works that you've been doing before you did permanent works um for me you know they they were very much about public spaces and site specificity and urban interventions like it seems to me like it was a pretty easy transition into doing permanent public art did mm. it feel that way for you not that much it's no. it's it seems because i'm mostly into monumental uh installations that to go from that to permanent but permanent is is something way more difficult regarding materials because it needs to be there for 30 years or whatever but some of my early works are crumbling down <laughs> for sure i mean conceptually they're about public space and intervention but the materials were very ephemeral and and transitory but what remains i think is that And and it's funny because I'll go back to um, an early interview I got with uh, this uh, this guy that was asking me. He was giving me the answers. He was asking me, so tell me, Phil, how you feel more alive and comfortable in your studio in your little space. And I, I told him, uh, actually, no, I'm comfortable in the outside. I'm comfortable in the environment. I don't like being in the studio except if it's winter and it's minus 15 of course sometimes i like to but when i come alive is when i'm outside mm 
with people walking by, with with buildings, with that that for me is the the real essence of of site specific artwork for one and the definition of street art also right. for me street art goes way beyond graffitis and stuff like that it's it's something that happens outside the studios and outside the museums and galleries and art centers because that's 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 where art takes its place it's it can be alive everywhere it should be alive everywhere right and so do you think that your working process is similar in all aspects where you For really sure. kind of just For dig sure. into site and space Yeah. For me, uh, I, that's why I spend too much time in research for site, for, for permanent work, because I look at the site. I want to know what happened there. I want to know why. I want to know, uh, <laughs> in, in what conditions, uh, then, uh, so, so, so for sure, I mean, where I am is, is very important. Sometimes it's, it's a glimpse. It's just an, a, a basic idea that, that relates to that spot but other, other times it's i need to know like we're, exactly where we're standing here in point saint charles so much history i yeah. mean so much is, and i've been digging a little bit and the more you dig the more you're like okay but why and how and there's it, it's infinite i mean right it's like the more you dig the less you know of course and then the more you want to know to fill in those gaps Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I, I struggle with a lot of the same issues in spending too much time researching in the research stages. But that's also what I love doing. So it's kind of a struggle that like I, I enjoy that process of really getting to know space and its history. That's, I just wish I had part. memory. I have no memory. <laughs> so I read stuff and I read stuff and nothing stays in. You got to reread it. Yeah. Or sometimes I have glimpses. Oh, right. I know about that. Oh, yeah. For sure. I know about that. And then I write everything that I read because I. Je retiens rien. J'aime. You also were talking about materials and like permanent impermanence. You have worked a lot with Corton steel. I wanted to ask you about that, like because I know that it's a material that's often listed as prohibited. What do you like? How, how do you feel about that as being prohibited? Tell me a little bit more about what Corton steel is and why do committees sometimes not want it? Well, Corton steel, as I understand it, is and um, industrial, very industrial. All those containers that goes on the sea is are made with Corten steel painted after. It's mostly architectural and industrial because it it rusts and then it protects itself. Right. Because there's less carbon carbon inside. I think uh, that we need to check. But acier uh, intempérique, which means it goes through time, it it protects itself, and so it leaks a lot of rust at first that coating that protects itself leaks a lot of rust and and so it stains in right. the beginning so they're not fond of that because if it if it's in an area where it could stain they don't like the stain uh, so i've been wanting to use it a lot but actually doing my first project with it this winter okay so yeah so i want to see how easy is it is to weld 
But I mean, I'm not the first. Uh, so many artists have worked with Corten steel. Yes, yeah, of course. Some other artists work with normal steel that is wider and thicker. Like, I'm pretty sure that uh, Richard Serra's work is not Corten steel. It looks like it, but it's so thick mm. that even if it rusts for real, it doesn't really matter. It's so. It's still steel. Right. But very interesting. The 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 ochre, um, what's that color in English? The very orangey. Oh yeah, ochre. Ochre, the... very ochre, earth earth like color. Terre de sienne. Right. Actually, it's like it's mo it, it looks like earth, also. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like that aspect of how a material can change over time. But you know, permanence—it's—it's—it's it's, it's always hard for me to really think about permanent materials because before I started doing public art, you know, permanent public art, everything I did was with ephemeral and temporary materials. <laughs> so um, it's sort of you know for me a way to like try to take my ideas, but into permanent materials, which sometimes is like a tricky translation for me to do. And then there's the constraints, you know. For sure. There's always this list of constraints. Do you do you find the constraints mostly just a pain in the ass, or do you think of them as opportunities? Sometimes it's sometimes constraints are, are yeah are creative uh, a creative source. Mm -hmm. Other times you try to make them a creative source, and they're just a pain <laughs> yeah. because. Uh, <laughs> Even though the artist has an open mind, sometimes he's around people that don't have that same mindset or cannot have that same mindset, especially in public permanent heart. So, yeah, it's a toughie. I, I wanted to ask you that specifically because I feel like you're the kind of person who kind of likes challenges. And I say that because we were both shortlisted for a project at uh, Bibliothèque Maisonneuve, which was one of the most um, kind of strange projects, but we both applied for it. We weren't just automatically selected. Mm -hmm. And it was an outdoor sculpture that had to have a functional fountain yeah, and have light as a significant component of the work. I don't usually work with light as a component, and I've never made a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I remember I applied for that because I just thought okay, this is wacky and wild, but it's kind of cool. And I could work with a fountain engineer and that would be a really cool experience. For sure. And, you know, it was a pain in the ass project to develop. And you had a I cool didn't get idea. it, but yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of hate myself sometimes for liking these weird projects that have so many challenges. But I also, you know, as you say, sometimes it's sort of an opportunity to just do something new and different. If I remember correctly, you had a kind of a swirl, right? Something based, ground based with with a curve that it you was, could go inside. It was inside. a curved structure that you could go inside. And then the walls were leaking water, right? Or the outside had water leaking. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then okay. there was sort of light on the inside, and then there was like holes through it that so the light would emanate outward. And, it was super uh, fun. What I like about those projects is that it you you create an environment when you have such budgets. It's big and out. People go inside the artwork, artwork. They become part of it. Right. I love that stuff. 
for me, that project was a, a fantasy idea I had for a long time. And yeah, it was a bit deceiving, but I've been wanting to make a, a weeping willow, a real one, actually a fake one <laughs> out of metal. And so uh, it was actually weeping. So the top of the branches had uh, circulating water and was actually weeping and children could play underneath in the water. Yeah, it was and a it was a idea. kindergarten right in front. So when you when you're in your head all the ideas kind of work together and merge, you reach a point where oh, you just want to see it happen. For you it's it's done. For you in your little head, yeah. you just you forget that other people's head are filled also with other ideas. <laughs> and with other ideas and then you only can compete with yourself, right? So you should be happy that If you reach that state of mind, be happy with it because and, and forget about it because afterwards it's not up to you, right. right? It's up to people deciding about other stuff. And uh, yeah, the artist who actually won is, is a super good artist and uh, good for him. When you leave that presentation room and you feel like you did your job, Like, you're totally happy with what you presented. Does that feel like kind of a win for you or a success? Like, if just you're happy, win or lose the competition? Obviously, you want to win. But, Dep like, what's your marker of It depends. It depends. Happiness? Well, the ones I won are not my most, are not the best. That's what deceives me. Right. So... I'm not always super happy after the presentation. Last time, two weeks ago, I came in second. I was super happy. I thought I cannot go further than that. And I saw in the jury's eyes that, okay, it's all is linked. All is linked. It works physically. It works um, visually. And all the ideas are linked behind what you present. So... Uh, I can't go further. Of course, I was deceived because I, I didn't get it. I came in second. But um, it's not always like that. Often, I present. Either I know I'm not going to get it because I didn't reach that level. Or... You didn't reach the level that of you... Of my personal satisfaction because not everything is linked. Right. It needs to look good or mean good. Good is... But it needs to be uh, integrated, mm -hmm. and it needs to fit with the ideas behind, you know. Right. So you don't always reach that point. And sometimes you don't reach that point, and the others don't also neither. And you, you get it or you don't. But um, I, I think our job is to go as far as we can uh, in our personal goals as to reach all those things. Put them together like in the Tetris mind game. And what happens after is what happens after, right? Right. Do you feel like in your process, you have, like over the years, have you changed your approach? Like I, I'm thinking about, you know, myself. I think there have been times where I get too much in the mindset of like thinking, What do they want? What does the committee want? Mm. And I lose my own artistic voice, I feel. Mm. I don't know that I do, but I feel like I'm starting to pull away too much. 
And now I feel like I, I want to make sure 100% that I'm happy with what I do in those three months, that if I don't get it, I'm still, I still feel good about the work I put in, the concept I've developed, that something about it feels like I can still use this for something. For sure. You know. I, in all my first contests, the, the visual arts specialist would ask me, how does this proposition fits into your work? Right. Often I couldn't answer because I was too... I was trying too much to answer what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So I think what you just said is exactly... You need to reach the two parts, starting with your own intentions. And that can be super wide because because you had so many ideas in your life, right? And And you started digging something and digging deeper to get more precise, to, to sharpen your art... Uh, experience or ability so to put that in perspective with what they want is often super tricky that's where i'm talking about putting all the pieces together sometimes it works sometimes it's painful <laughs> right. sometimes it, it's natural too it, it happened to me to have an idea in the presentation i'm like fuck that's it <laughs> sorry for the f word it's like oh And then something comes up. You can't use that. Yeah. <laughs> Or uh, why not? <laughs> why not? You're you're killing. On dit tuer dans l'œuf. L'idée est tuée dans l'œuf. In English, we would say it's killed in the egg. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sometimes, you know, like the week after I don't get something and I've had a little bit of distance, you know, at first you're just kind of crushed and you don't want to see anybody. And then, you know, you kind of get a little perspective and you can look at it more objectively and kind of go, oh, yeah, right. I should have changed that. I should have changed that. Why did I do that? You know, it's, it's hard to get that distance when you're so in it. I think the philosophy, the right philosophy, which I don't have, perhaps I... I tend towards too, but you need to move in life the most you can. The theory of movement is to never stop. To never stop moving with your body, but with your mind also. What you did is static, right? It shouldn't be static. It should be just crush it. Just take it apart, dismantle it, and start over. Always. Right. Yeah, you can't be too precious about it. No. It's funny, you know, you just took me back to this, like, flashback of first year of my undergrad. And uh, it was the first semester, first week of school, drawing class. And we had to do a drawing for homework that was just about what we thought drawing was. Really vague. I spent the week doing this really detailed representational drawing really beautifully rendered I was really proud of it come back next week for the critique the instructor we get to me he tosses me his lighter and says burn it <laughs> and you know I'm like 18 I was devastated right <laughs> and I hated that guy for years 
And, you know, of course, now I look back and I know what he meant to say, like, you're too precious about it. Yeah. You have to be willing to tear it down and start over. You can't let your ego For sure. be so trapped in that one thing. For sure. Yeah. And that's totally the case with public art. What can you learn, right? What can you make better? What can you just set aside, leave? And even when it's done, even when you get the project, I'm, I was looking in, on Sherbrooke Street, a piece where I did with Justin Duchesneau, and they tried to restore it, and they restored it badly mm-hmm. this summer. And it's half polished, half unpolished, and I'm like, what, what the hell is that? It's this first unprofessional, secondly... But you know what? It's life. <laughs> life is what happens when you're busy trying something. It's That's the way it is. I could rent a generator and go, you know, brush it myself the way I want. I could. I could it's something. But, yeah. Did, did they consult with you first? At one point they did, and then they had no budget, and then they found something, so they started working. They didn't tell me. The guy had to call me because he had the technical question, so that's I instantly went on site, saw his work, exchanged, then I lost his number. I came back. Half of the work was done. That's the way it is. It's out of my control. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once you put it out in the world. Actually, all of life is out of your control. <laughs> yeah. All of life is just a fantasy. It's, a, it's it's not this is not really happening. This is just Whoa, you're blowing my mind. And then I'm I'm not on acid. Wow. <laughs> uh, what is uh what's like the worst thing that's happened in a public art piece? Like, what's, like, a disaster that, of course, you figured out and you solved, but are there any, like... The first one I did in 2014 um, actually lost pieces. It lost a piece, and I went... I, I was actually in Laval and not so far, and I saw that a piece was kind of wobbly, so I took a ladder, and actually it came out. So I took it out, and... Uh, the best I could do was was take some glue with epoxy. So I took epoxy and it stuck it back in. Of course, it didn't stay there. It fell a month after, and the city saw that, and they put security perimeter, and they thought, oh, my God, a kid, a kid is going to be killed. Let's dismantle it. So they took it apart. There was it, It's a dandelion with 100 akin around it. Yeah, they yeah. took it. One fell. They took the 99 out, but the like 85% was super strong and good. They took everything out. Oh my God, that seems so extreme. It is. Like to not it have is. somebody go and uh, inspect it. At one point, I, I pushed the envelope towards public permanent art because, I'm, because something like that ephemeral would never happen. You do it for a few weeks, you don't care. It's not meant right. to be. And the whole question about, uh, you know, casting bronze with colonial figures that killed so many uh, natives is so ridiculous. Why? It, for me, it's it's obvious that we have to take them down. What happened with McDonald and, and all those guys? Of course, because you're trying to say that what happened in history was glorious. It wasn't. And it's not more glorious now. Why are we still doing permanent public art when everything should be ephemeral? I mean, ephemeral? Ephemeral. 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 
Yeah, I've that's often a, thought that's an old. It's it's an it's a question outside of what we're talking here, but I think it's something. No, no, I think it's it's all part of the conversation. You know, like if we look at these budgets that are, you know, let's just say two hundred thousand dollars as a number. Most of that money goes towards materials and fabrication, right? The artist yeah. gets about twenty percent or something. So why don't we take that money, divide it up, however many ways, and do five, ten, you know, whatever projects? Well, they've that they, are they've started more ephemeral. The artist is going to make probably the same amount of money. They started doing um, performance work for uh, public art, right? Um, uh, that piece that. Uh, Uh, Thierry made on uh, on Saint Catherine or deux cent vingt-deux. It what's that? Um, I think it's a uh, art text building on Saint Catherine near uh, Saint Laurent. So he made a um, he made a performance about Joseph Boyce, Thierry Marceau. Oh, okay, okay. He got quite a good budget, so he he had to make five or six uh, performances within two or three years. And that's it. And it's all on video. I think it's great. I think it's super fun. I think there should be more of that. Yeah, I think that things are starting to open up, but like everything, it's slow. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, as I say, the the majority of the budget goes towards making that thing permanent. You know, digging a hole, filling it with anchors and concrete and <laughs> casting, and you know, it, it, it's. I mean, it gives money to a lot of different industries, which I think also some people don't realize how many sectors benefit from public art. I, it's I, not like the artist just gets all that money. I love to see those anchors going down. Remember when Saddam Hussein's statue came down? <laughs> What a great moment. Do you know about this Japanese artist who makes installation? He would take a bronze of a, of a horse, let's say, with a soldier on top, He did that in Europe many times. He would he builds an hotel room around the sculpture. In the hotel room, you have the bronze of the with the soldier on top of the of the horse in your room. Oh my gosh! It's super nice. It's so nice because it's there for a month or two months or maybe six months. You rent the room super at a super high price because you have a bronze in your room. I think it's funny. I think you take the history and you appropriate the you appropriate it for yourself for just a short time for one night or two nights if you can afford it. Yeah, there's so many more interesting, humorous, fun ways we can deal with all these things. Yeah. But then the jury needs to have an open mind. I hate losing when they don't choose the best project. And often they're Amen. forced. They're yeah. forced not to choose the best. They're forced to choose the most convenient. Totally. Yeah. I know. For me, you know, I want to lose out to someone that just did something better. I can handle that. My ego can handle that. Someone just yeah. made better art. As you say, I hate feeling like I didn't get it because of some technical thing. That's just bullshit. Mm -hmm. For sure. So what do you what do you do to get yourself kind of back up after those losses? Just keep keep making, get back to the studio. I think it's like mourning. Uh, it's the same. It's uh, how do you do when you lose someone precious? 
there's nothing you can do. It's just time. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. time. Trying to and trying to dissolve your ego is the best. Yeah, indeed. What do you have coming up? What are you working on? <laughs> You're busy. Yeah, I too many contests, but I, I'm telling myself more and more. Go back to your roots. Um, I have a grand project in Laval. Uh, it's called Deroute. It's about all those routes, highways that have been uh, that their names have changed because uh, it's in Laval. In Laval, um, all those uh, um, agriculture spaces have been changed to auto routes and commercial uh, commercial centers and stuff like that. And I'm trying to talk about how America is cicatrisé uh, by those highways and mm. all the uh, all the and it's closely related to all my work with with the car industry. Right. It, right. So I'm working on that. So uh, it's an installation that will be in the in the forest. So you're going to walk and you're going to discover this. It's not going to be announced. But uh <laughs> Sounds fun. It, I hope I hope it will happen. I need to still get all the uh, approbation. It's not going to be announced. No, well, it's so. going to be with Vertical. So it's an art center in Laval, a super right. fun okay. art center. So um, they're going to announce it, but we're still figuring out if we're going to tell people where it is, or actually, it's it will be in a boisé, okay. so in a small forest. But you need to find out where it is. So perhaps you'll have to walk a few hours before you find it. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> I want to go. I want to see it. I don't mind walking. I'll invite. I like uh, discovering things. Cool. What's uh, what's your f- the favorite project of yours that you've done? Permanent, impermanent, whatever. In public space. Let's keep it to public space. But yeah, I think uh, it's it was here in Pointe Saint Charles uh, on St. Patrick Street. Uh, in front of uh, Alley Up, which is my favorite uh, gym where I do climbing. Um, you can't climb an artwork, right? And I think that uh, I kind of always have proposition where people can climb in it because it, it's a, it's it's something. Uh, so it, it was a, it was an art piece on an old building, triangular building. Kind of like the iron building in New York, so the first the first building with an iron structure. So it was it's on the corner of Bridge Street, going towards um, uh, Pont Victoria and Saint Patrick, and uh, it's called Parasitage. So I put those uh, uh, shoots, those yellow shoots. Yeah. When you gut a space, you need one shoot. Right. You yeah. put it in one window. And I thought to empty into a dumpster. Yeah, but with all those windows looking on the corner of two streets, I fa- I thought, why not make it make it a, a, cheese, a mac and cheese factory? You know, <laughs> yellow noodles coming out from all windows. And the best part I got was that on a on the construction forum, uh, a social media type of thing for for construction. One guy was saying, "Look at this." crazy guy he didn't know that he could put only one shoot to gut the building and he put so many of them this guy is so stupid and then later on another guy replied dude Dude. you didn't get what this thing is it's not about construction 
Oh, duh. <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of hoping you would say that piece because I saw it, but just driving by randomly, didn't know you at the time. Oh, yeah. And I remember just going like, what? Like, that has to be an art project. Like, And that's what I love about those kinds of interventions that you don't expect that just pop up. For, make me, you just for me, that's what art is. If, yeah. if you can't tell what that thing is, then what is it? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the only thing it, it could be? But you remember it. An idea. It's just an idea. It's yeah. just an idea I had, and I actually got the funds to make it happen. It was there for three weeks. I'm happy you saw it. Wow. I didn't and know that, it was that short. No, that's it. For me, that's it. It's, if you're, if you're uh, lucky enough to see it, so cool yeah I mean uh, and so when I made my book at Sagami uh, I really wanted to put the, the the car domino piece I did on top of the for me it was the most you know project most important projects but Emily um, there uh, the super good artist designer that made the book just tried some different cover and and convinced me And when I saw the one with the yellow shoots, I thought, yeah. It's really I, iconic. It really pops. It talks about so many things, and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I, that's another thing I like about art. I mean, it talks about so many things, but it actually is whatever you want it to be. It talks about um, uh, eco- renoviction a mm-hmm. lot. Right. It, it's happening on my street. There used to be people from everywhere, from different social backgrounds. And now uh, I see all the rich cars filling the street. And what year did you say you did that piece? That was in 2014, I think. Right. Also. So we're quite a few years later. But, but the phenomenon has, has been going on. In, the same relevance and in, new relevance. In, in this neighborhood and so many other neighborhoods. I mean, it's uh, at one point... I will be have to sell my house because it's going to be my retraite, right? <laughs> which is which is uh, I'm I shouldn't complain. I don't want to complain about it. I was lucky enough to be able to buy it so many years back. But some richer guy or girl is going <laughs> to. It, it happens with artists. Uh, we're tossed away of, of we we generate uh, life. In a neighborhood, in a city, and then we're not able to stay there anymore. We have to migrate, which is okay in a sense and not in another. Create something new somewhere else. Yeah, move. We just That's what we do. Move. Just keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. Keep moving, don't stop. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. You, uh, I mean, you're pretty active, too. That probably feeds your, your brain as well as your body. I want to stay in shape. Inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll end up doing little watercolors, which is fine. <laughs> which, is, which is which is which is which uh, is Serge Murphy's work now. He's done so many great installations, and now he's making a little watercolor. Which is, I, I mean, I started with my aunt teaching me watercolor forty years ago. It, I think it's a great medium, but my thing is monumental and uh if i want to keep on doing it i need to stay in shape a little bit i hear you yeah phil it's been super fun hanging out chatting thank you so much for sharing you know your thoughts and energy with me today 
Thank you. Thank you for doing this. All right. Best of luck. We'll see you, uh, we'll see you around. You too. Rock <laughs> on. For further information about today's guest and to learn more about the podcast, follow the Art in the Open link at ShellyMillerStudio.com. And don't forget to keep exploring Art in the Open.